Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. The Sasquatch has been said to exist for over hundreds of years by early native Canadian tribes. This has been corroborated by thousands of eyewitness accounts by people across North America. And trace evidence has often been plentiful. But why? Why does the mainstream scientific community still not acknowledge the existence of this creature? Finally, after all this time, going on three years, three about three solid years of documentaries with a break in there, we're finally getting to a Bigfoot-themed documentary. What do you think about these paranormal docs? I kind of uh, thought of you when this came up. I don't know why. I appreciate that, because, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff. Like, we did The Mothman. I'm totally into it. Like, I grew up watching and reading this stuff, and it's my jam. You know, growing up, I loved Bigfoot. Like, I love the idea of Sasquatch. It seemed like uh, when we were kids, around at our age, at our age range, uh, there was a lot of, there was always some kind of, like, little random special on in the afternoon. I was talking about the Loch Ness Monster. I was talking about the Bermuda Triangle. No one really talks about the Bermuda Triangle anymore. They don't. And, uh, you know, I mean, I want to know. I want to know more about the Bermuda Triangle. The, the the thing that stands out to me about the Bermuda Triangle is that David Copperfield magic special he did where he did, like, some sort of disappearance uh. in the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, it's wow. I missed stuff. that one. Yeah. And Sasquatch. And I remember there, I think what I saw forever ago was probably the part of the In Search Of series. In Search Of Bigfoot. In Search Of Yeti. Mm. So you had a couple of... Uh, specials that were centered around this and as much as i enjoy the the idea of bigfoot and the lore behind it and the fact that it does go back for so long i feel like once you've seen a couple of bigfoot themed documentaries you've kind of seen them all yeah i think that information kind of gets recycled especially since we don't seem to be getting a lot of new information i don't know how many like brand new sightings we're having um i want to ask you though what is your opinion on, I noticed that you keep referring to Sasquatch as Sasquatch, not the Sasquatch. Yeah. Is that your preferred method? I, I guess Sasquatch is like the species, like the North American version of this mythical ape man. I guess that's how I yeah. look at it. See, some, for some reason it just seems like so casual to me, like we're calling him by his first name or something, like looking for Steve. Yeah. Looking for Phil, you know? <laughs> like if we were talking about the Himalayas, I'd be like, Yeti, Yeti. Right. I mean, because Bigfoot's already kind of like a casual name, right? Like, it deserves like a the in front of it. What, what do they call it in uh, Australia? The skunk ape or something? Or, um... <laughs> oh, no. Do they? No, let's, I think... say it in an Australian accent, though, Bobby. I don't think they call it the skunk ape. I think they actually... That's Florida. Okay. They call okay. it something like an ape man, the skunk ape. Which, I think the skunk ape is smaller, which tracks for 
yeah. a more uh, tropical climate that would be exist in Florida. Skunk ape. Wow. How about uh, that? What do they call it uh, in Australia? Anyway, they, there's names for this thing all over the world. But I think, um, so I'm sitting here like, I'm watching this thing, right? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. movie that we're discussing, The Unwanted Sasquatch. Unwanted is spelled U-N-W-O-N-T-E-D. Yes. Unwanted. Which means, like, unusual or something. Yeah, like it stands out from society or something like that. Yeah. Different than the singular, like, I don't want that. Right. Because we all want the Sasquatch. And this is the director's cut that I believe came out uh, earlier this year. Yeah, it looks like that's, yeah. Apparently it's the director's cut of a um, something he shot for TV in 2016. But directed by Darcy Weir. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching this and, you know, I got a dog brain. I could sit here and watch some nerds go off on a trip, right? But yeah. I'm sitting here like, man, I really got to figure out a way to fill 45 minutes to an hour talking <laughs> talking about this. Right, right. Because I wanted to, I just kind of threw this out. I wanted to give it a chance. I knew it was new, at least on some streaming services. But I felt like, again... I was really just seeing kind of a, a rehashing of that one special I saw in like 1985 that I, that got me like intrigued by it, and and this has a lot of like the similar people that was that was in there like guys like John Green I believe that talk show segment was on here and of course it's talking about the Patterson Gimblin footage that famous. Uh, footage of what, who they call Patty. Patty, right, right. The, uh, the, the Sasquatch. I don't want to give away my thoughts on this immediately. Because <laughs> I think I'm just, my brain is a little different in how I can absorb this. When I'm watching a guy talk about feet for 15 straight minutes. Oh, and it really was about 15 minutes. Way back here on a, on a foot of this length. Because we have a disproportionately shorter calcaneus. The greatly elongated calcaneus for greater leverage, massive weight, corresponding to massive weight in this creature, displaces these landmarks more distally or further down the foot. The possibility or the probability... In my brain, I can be like, this guy is such a nerd, this is so funny that that anyone would think that you'd want to put this in a documentary, like... This cannot be for casual viewers. Or it was to kind of pad the time, much like you're trying to find content to talk about to fill up 45 minutes to an hour of, of this of this episode. Maybe they were trying to extend the time of the document by, by including all the... I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy who's a... Um, professor of anatomy. Yeah, anthropology is really uh, well versed in anatomy and primates and humans. And he does a deep dive into the anatomical situation of the Sasquatch. You know, from I mean, head head to toes. And I mean, it's it's interesting if you're interested in that kind of stuff. And in fact, you know, he goes into like the feet and like the way they walk and stuff. And I think a couple of them do. And for me personally, as a person who spent a lot of time in rehab, kind of relearning how to walk and learning how the body works, that was interesting. But even for me, who finds that interesting, it still went on a little bit, a little bit long. It was definitely long. You definitely got the vibe that a lot of things that were cut were probably stuff that Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum was talking about. He is a Sasquatch foot fetishist, so when you encounter a foot fetishist, you like, can't stop him. They just yeah, you can't. You just gotta let him go, mm-hmm. and he just starts 
sucking on the toes of these casts and <laughs> footprints. Do you think he ever sucks on the ca uh, the toes of the casts when like the cameras aren't on? He's just in his lab. He's like, yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah, me too. That's its own separate documentary. I think. I, I would say I love to think so. You wouldn't say that. I would. You would. I would too. I would. Have, I'm, on, I'm on board with that. But in precisely the right place for it to correspond with the position of that joint in um, other examples of midfoot flexibility it just is it defies imagination well let's kind of get into this hodgepodge here let's i mean uh we we open up with a vancouver island news report which i felt like was a lot of fun people in alert bay say they've been hearing strange screams and howls from the forest at night and the legend of the sasquatch runs deep in their first nations culture yes and we're hearing audio of a Sasquatch. Can you, do you remember this audio? Can you describe it? Um, is, I mean, should I just demonstrate? Yeah, please. It's like, <laughs> don't you think? Why don't you, you try it? <laughs> That's kind of more of a uh, Chewbacca, I think. It was. Um, I accidentally went into a Chewbacca. But you're not, I mean, you're not too far off. And let me just say off the bat, if, if I didn't already want to move to Canada and love Canada so much, this documentary made me want to move there more. because it, It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's Sasquatch there. I mean, I could go and be friends with it. Like, I want to go right now. I would I do kind of want to go. Sometimes, you know, when I go into the mountains and places like that and I leave, because I love to go vacation in places like this. Mm -hmm. When I'm leaving, it's just like, why? Why am I leaving? Right. I I do feel like I'm meant to live in some like very mountainous for foresty regions. There's something about these parts of the the country that feels so right to me. I mean, apparently Sasquatch feels the same way because that's where they live. Yeah, this a lot of this uh, the discussion here is on Cormorant Island, which is where a lot of sightings occurred, especially in this report. We see a John Bendernagel searching for Sasquatch. And it's pointed out that there are no bears or cougars on Cormorant Island. And there seems to be like a small little settlement, like a tiny town that's just on this island. Yeah. If it's a town, it could just be some kind of, I don't know, a fishery, some kind of like industrial thing going on. It's hard to tell, but it's very small. Well, and apparently it's, there's a large First Nations population there. I don't know if it's entirely First Nations, but... Over in British Columbia, yeah, they're pretty much dispersed throughout the yeah. whole region. They point out that... You know, the giant squid used to be a, considered a myth. And they were showing pictures of a squid. I'm pretty sure that was like the Humboldt squid and not the giant squid. Okay. Because we have very specific pictures of a giant squid. We have seen it in action at this moment, but like in bits and really cool footage. And other than that, it, we've seen it washed up on beaches and stuff like that. But they used to think that was a myth. and, and But then they started seeing patterns of, um, you know, whales and stuff having damage. And because they'll eat these squid, but the thing is, that's the difference between a lot of the Sasquatch stuff, and is that there were something that that was like, oh, there is something down there that's doing something. And while we do talk about footprints and jawbones and stuff, it's like we don't have full skeletons. We don't have a. We have some confirmation of some fakers out there, but not too much. Um, yeah, that seems to be kind of the stance of this documentary. Is that Despite all these eyewitness accounts and trace evidence and things, the scientific community kind of refuses to acknowledge the 
confirmed existence of Sasquatch and where it, so they're comparing it to this giant squid that they have found yeah. evidence of so they've kind of confirmed the existence of this giant squid um but yeah but despite all this stuff that you're saying like scientific community is just refusing to say yes there's Sasquatch yeah and you know not to uh side with the scientific community here cuz these guys will be like they say that the scientific community says this and then when you Kind of, and I did a little side research as to what people are saying regarding the Patterson-Gimlin footage and stuff like that. And the scientific community, at least the ones that I've noted, like notable anthropologists and stuff, they're not saying yes, but they're not saying no. Right. They're really all saying, like, we just don't have enough evidence. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a very scientific conclusion. I mean, it's not that unreasonable, I have to agree. I mean, yeah. science has to result in, like, you know, in, in certain types of science patterns of behavior or um, being able to experiment and do things over and over. And with, with stuff like anthropology or biology, you need a lot of physical evidence. We have evidence of hominid species going back mm-hmm. that seem to be very f- similar to what people describe here. That's verified. That's absolutely true. Right, and they're saying that they they have found hair samples that are unsubstantiated as like being, you know, human-like. something other than yeah, yeah. It's something that's maybe human like or ape like, whatever. And they're also saying they have like thousands and thousands of teeth from like jaws and stuff, and that there's a chance that maybe some DNA can be extracted from there that can be used to confirm something. It's kind of like a ruling out sort of situation, though, right? Like it's like yeah. they don't know what it is, but it's not this or that. I don't know. But that's so. the that's well that's the thing. It's the I don't know. You have to be able to say I don't know before you can piece all these things together yep. and then finally know. I think, you know, in terms of say like dinosaurs in which we've found, I think we've come to discover, you know, back in the day when they started really getting into this industry of finding dinosaur bones, people were just slapping shit onto things and being like, Yo, I think this is what this is and now we're getting to a point where we're like, uh, this one dinosaur actually probably didn't even exist, but right. If you do it like this and this and this, like we do have evidence of things that lived millions of years ago. That's kind of what's so interesting with the cryptozoological thing. I guess it's just the idea that is this alive right now is what's so appealing. But there is amazing things that we probably wouldn't be able to wrap our heads around that did live uh, a long, long ago on this planet. You know, I, I mean, and the truth is interesting, of course, to a lot of people. But it's just kind of kind of how we grasp onto things that just seem so out of reach, uh, but don't seem to be excited about the things we kind of know sometimes. It's true, yeah. It's kind There's of always I, more exciting than the unknown. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's I feel that way about like conspiracy theories. It's like the way we're kind of manipulated doesn't it seems actually pretty obvious to you to me if you just know how to look at it. Mm. But it's it's but it's got to be about reptilians or some shit. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I guess it's just always more fun that way. So one uh, hominid species that gets brought up a lot is the Gigantopithecus black, which I believe was found in China. And it's the jawbone of an upright ape. Uh, and they showed like this recreated scale, and it just looks like a giant orangutan yep. that kind of walks upright. They were talking about how they had a problem, though, that they would find these fossils and a lot of locals would grind the fossils up and consume it as medicine. Yeah. But they, they think that Gigantopithecus lived up until about 100,000 years ago, which is not that long ago. I mean, human beings were definitely, like, crossing over. There was one um, 
I remember the Smithsonian. I forget the name of it, but there was this one very tall hominid that lived like three times to the point that we're living right now, like three times longer, and did cross over with our species and eventually died off. But this (laughs) thing lived probably longer than human beings have been at this point or our primate species or whatever. So it's just kind of, it was very fascinating to me. That is fascinating. I want to see a documentary about that. So I think, you know, a lot of the a lot of this shit is rooted into it does seem like that at some point on the planet that there were things that probably looked so much like this thing. And that, you know, then they're saying that there's documented um like accounts of this throughout history in all kinds of different cultures and all the descriptions kinda all line up. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, even to this day, the descriptions are kind of like all sort of like there's like a standard to them, which is really interesting. There's apparently writings from Norsemen who entered the continent like a thousand years ago that are like talking about hairy men. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we see a lot of footage in here, too. We see something uh, like nocturnal eyes. We see these fleeting images where people are like oh that's a sasquatch and as i sit here and watch that stuff and i'm very conscious of that they're saying what they want me to think it is you know what i'm saying yeah when you're seeing something glowing in the dark that puts its head down it does appear to be a front-facing thing but um we know many many uh animals do that yeah any nocturnal animals reflective eyes right do apes like gorillas have reflective eyes or are they not? I think they don't. And that's one of the arguments they've used mm. that against it being an ape creature um, because of the reflective eyes. Humans and apes don't have that, right? Okay. Yeah, as far as I know. And there's no, uh, but what they think of or what they found of jawbones of Gigantopithecus, what they feel like correlates with. Uh, what they believe a Sasquatch might be, there's no projecting canine similar to humans. And then, of course, that's when we talk a lot to the Sasquatch foot fetishist, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum. They seem to be uh, distinguished by a, an extremely robust chewing apparatus, the mascatory apparatus, uh, which is has frequently been a point of divergence between hominid lineages. Uh, the gracile versus the robust, referring to the chewing apparatus. The jaws of a Sasquatch are extremely deep, extremely heavy, heavily muscled. So we see the suggestion. He makes a joke about his students falling asleep yeah. in his class. <laughs> and their head can balance, like on their, yeah. on their upright neck. Yeah. I tell you, um, if you are having trouble sleeping at night and you want like a... A nice soft voice explaining the difference between like certain ape species and um, you know different types of feet. Basically, uh, put him, by, put him, play him on your phone, set him by your bedside. Mm-hmm. I'll probably lull you right to sleep. He's very, very knowledgeable, and I mean, he, he, like I said, if you're into it, he goes to very, very deep detail, um, like a nine-minute breakdown of like top to bottom anatomical structure. He kind of throws in some like shade in there, like yeah. big face, big gut. Yeah. This and that. <laughs> thick. Easy. Good thick. Yeah. Easy fella. Let me tell you, Bigfoot's got it going on all the way down. Um, so, British Columbia has the biggest temperate rainforest on the continent. And essentially, a lot of the sightings that we're dealing with 
pretty much go from Northern California up into British Columbia. Yeah. Um, there's a, they speak of a Grover Krantz. He's an anthropologist. Rest in peace. He's an anthropo- anthropology professor. In 1970, he finds what is known as cripple foot. And it's a footprint that it, he reassembles his foot. He, he doesn't think much of it, apparently, according to this story, until he starts to basically get it together. And they believe that they found the foot of a Sasquatch that it maybe had something, some issue going wrong with it. And they show the cast of this foot, and it's pretty wild. They said Look that at... this foot would have belonged to an eight-foot-tall bipedal creature. Mm-hmm. Casts were made in Bossburg, Bossburg, Washington. Yeah, so the thing is called the Bossburg Cripplefoot, and I think that's an amazing band name. Yeah. Or an amazing wrestling name, and I want... I'm going to claim that as my own wrestling name. <laughs> yeah. What's your finisher? Uh. The, bo- the, 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 probably like a super kick. The cripple foot slam. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and then that's when we get into the deets of the Patterson uh, Gimlin film, which, gosh, how many times, even as a very casual observer of Bigfoot lore, and in terms of just popping in and out of it for fun, so much has been discussed in the Patterson Gimlin film. I mean, this is the iconic, like, even if you're not really into this stuff, this is what you have seen. If you have come across any kind of footage about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, more than likely, 99.9 guaranteed, this is what you've seen. Yeah, yeah, we've all seen this one. The sassy walking Sasquatch, sassing through yeah. the forest. A little seem... casual, look, look over the shoulder. Also thick. On. Also thick. In all the best possible ways. Got a big old ass on it. <laughs> Is Bigfoot fat? Apparently it has breasts, which seem kind of strange. Um, oh, I did. I kind of missed. I think okay. I have different okay. discussions I've seen over the years. It looks like it's kind of top heavy there. But uh, but who knows? I mean, I got to be honest. It's it, top heavy. <laughs> well, it's also got a matching ass to go with it. So Proportionate. Yeah, it totally to works out. Okay, all right. If, if if it is a fake, it is kind of a pretty nice-looking costume. I mean, it's a stellar costume, and we'll get into that later, <laughs> where they kind of break down, like, a discrepancy of somebody who claimed to be wearing the costume, but we'll get, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that, there, which there, is real weird. There but... are some really weird contradictions in that yeah. statement. Yeah. But also getting into, like, Patterson himself, that dude, they don't really dig into Patterson. I kind of dug a little more into Patterson. I'm glad you did that because I'll say one kind of confusing part to this documentary was this discussion. I think Bill Miller, um, he's a historian, I think. He kind of goes on to sort of like say, like, you think you know about the Patterson? I'll tell you the real story. But I had a hard time kind of following with the dog, the white lady dog, and yeah. like this and then that. Well, they were talking about how apparently they were uh, in this area for three weeks around this vicinity. And they went back to the Bluff Creek trail uh, bluff creek trail i think is where around where they saw patty allegedly. yeah that's that's the location yeah so, 1967 i don't know if we said that or not so apparently uh yeah 67 uh patterson apparently had been looking for a sasquatch for seven years and he first read about it in some in a magazine that talks about like paranormal stuff and which is one of the earliest pop culture accounts of of uh, a Sasquatch or Bigfoot, like in the mainstream, like this. So they they see tracks on the Onion Mountain. Uh, well, they see so they finally see this thing, right? They see Patty. So they got Gimlin, they got Patterson, and 
apparently they tried to track it a little bit. They got what they got on film. The full film is like 17, 20 minutes of them like on mules and horses and shit. And so the full film is like kind of cuts in and out. It looks like just like a, well, like a nine millimeter film. Those cameras are very expensive at that time. Mm-hmm. And basically it's like a wind up camera. So I think what you're, when you're watching it, I think it's like things are maybe slightly sped up by like a second or two as well. Just the nature of the frame rate. So they see this thing and they get this footage and they claim to have followed it a little bit and then it disappeared. And then they see tracks on Onion Mountain near the area, and they call in John Green, who we talked to in this movie. He's the very... He was, Rest he was, in peace also, John Green. So he passed away. So John Green, he went to see the tracks, and apparently he contacted Patterson and just said, what you're looking for is here. The way they described it is that it was just so cryptic. I know, it was like you could picture him like in a dark room, like yeah. whispering into the phone, yeah. Or that Patterson's just staring at a phone in a room, <laughs> waiting for the results. And then John Green comes in on the line and says, what you're looking for is here. And then he hangs up the phone. Yeah. And then Very Mul- X-Files. Then Mulder and Scully show yeah. up. Yeah. So they bring, uh, they bring a, they come back, they bring a tracking dog named White Lady. The dog, like, freaked out and followed about a mile of tracks, but ultimately didn't find anything. So it was like, oh, the dog's really, I guess the story of that is that the dog freaked out. But found nothing. Yeah. But apparently if you cross through water and stuff, that's a good way to throw off a dog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But apparently these things are supposed to stink, though. They keep referencing the, the odor, the smell, and they don't really go, go into what that means. So I guess we can just use our imaginations that it must not smell good. So a lot of people have claimed involvement in the Gimlin film over the years. Patterson, uh, unfortunately, passed away in the early 70s from... Um, I uh, forget. I think it was a type of cancer. Oh. Um, very sad because you can imagine this guy. Gimlin would be around for years. He kind of, over the years, would, I think, through the, uh, just to make his wife happy, maybe not be so in the spotlight about it. And then would come back and forth over the years. And there, there was a false claim that Patterson had like a deathbed confession that it was false. Oh. But that wasn't true. Okay. And Gimlin once said, he never said what he saw. Gimlin believes it. He believed that he saw what he saw. But he said if it was a hoax, then they really pulled off quite a bit to, they didn't let me in on it, and it was timed all perfectly. Wow, yeah. But I think that one statement kind of led skeptics to think that, like, oh, okay, so maybe he has some doubt in his mind. And that's kind of what the another claim of the documentary is that, like, you know, skeptics have been way quicker to kind of like jump on to hoax claims than to like jump on to claims that it's real yeah you know that only takes like a very little bit for to disprove anything that's kind of evidence has been thrown out there but one thing i was interesting like you were saying that you know they're you know they're claiming that this is a hoax and this is somebody in a suit and they kind of one of the reasons they go into so much anatomy i think about the sasquatch is that a, a human Posing as a Sasquatch, an eight-foot-tall creature, either if they're that tall, they can't move that fluidly, and if they're not, and they're using, like, an apparatus or whatever, they still can't move that fluidly. Yeah. That you can see in the video, this creature, Patty, is, like, walking very, like, a normal gait, like, a normal pace, you know, just, like, very natural, Mm. and that that could not be recreated. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the the nature of it. And they were talking about how the foot comes up parallel to the ground the difference between how a human 
would walk and how this character would walk in the film. I think if, like, you know, if you're bouncing over, you know, I'm no anthropologist here. You're not? Yeah, no. I'm, but if you're I'm bouncing over rocks and jumping over wood, your 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 feet aren't going to do, like, a lot of the patterns of a feet that they're talking about are kind of, like, typical for, like, a flat surface. They were talking mm -hmm. about, like, a half-inch uh, bump in a sidewalk can trip you up. But you're not walking on that. Right. You know, you're just kind of like, if I'm bouncing up around on some logs or some shit, then, you know, I'm not going to, my walk is going to be totally different. And add wearing a suit and big feet and stuff to that, too. Yeah. Like, if you're supposedly a human, like, mimicking this creature. Yeah. Well, one thing that also brings up my skeptic side, and I think my ultimate claim on the Patterson-Gimlin film is that I don't know. Right. The reality, it, it's cool. It's always going to have this lore about it, which is the most fun about it. Sure. But ultimately, like any what any scientist says, even though everyone's talking about science as, as though they're just like, get out of my house. I'm getting a restraining order against you. <laughs> but most scientists are like, this is inconclusive. We just don't have enough evidence based on this. Yeah. That's my same claim. Yeah, understandable. But, yeah. The, but the fact that Patterson had been looking for seven years kind of... Brings up my skepticism. There. Mm. You do. You're looking for this for seven years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We do have accounts of people faking a lot of stuff. There's a guy named Ray Wallace who, after he had passed, his family claimed that he had strapped on these fake feet, and we actually have these strapped feet. We yep. see him in the film. He and he, he and his like family members just what like traipsed around. Yeah. The. Pacific Northwest, like trying to be, to pretend to be the Sasquatch, yeah. And this uh, one, uh, this one dude we got, his name is Bill Miller. He uh, brings out this chart, and he said he made all the things like the same size, mm -hmm. but he shows that there's differences in the prints that we found. But apparently, even though he made all the prints the same size for the sake of his argument, but they were all different sizes, which I would think that all the different sizes would lead to. More to the fact that maybe not all these footprints. There does seem to be a verification that a lot of footprints were faked by this guy named Ray Wallace. Yeah, I think he probably, yeah, he did his, his fair share of faking some footprints. But as far as the Patterson-Gimlin film and the claims of fakery, there was a guy named Bob Hieronymus. Uh, he claimed to be in a suit for the film, and that was made by a costume designer out of North Carolina. His name was Philip Morris. Describe the suit. That supposedly the, the the way that Hieronymus described it. Well, it's so bizarre. Apparently, it's supposed to be a, a horsehair suit with a football helmet. Uh, Patterson allegedly had a glass eye. They said, and they kind of put the eye in the suit to get a glint <laughs> when it turned to the camera. It seems so specific. But Morris claimed that that the suit was just modified from an existing costume. <laughs> Hieronymus claimed that it was something like a special suit that was specifically made. Of green horsehair or something. And that, and that he kind of had to put things in a certain way. Because you look at the arms on, uh, on Patty and it does seem a little different, right? It does seem a little long. But Morris claimed it was just an existing costume. The way they described the suit and what they did completely contradict each other. Yes. Because her, and it's funny because Hieronymus is the guy who said he wore the suit. But the dude who actually makes costumes kind of described it in a much more simplistic way mm -hmm. than the guy who doesn't. And the guy who doesn't make costumes seems to be 
go into all these details of football helmets and, and it sounds real crazy to be honest yeah yeah so they were also talking about how um god i'm trying to remember who had said this on my extra research they started talking about the difference between like foot weight the difference between the way a human walks and the way something like a big foot that would they think that they're talking about a mid-tarsal break mm -hmm. and how basically a lot of the weight is shifted you know our weight is shifted on the balls of the feet and the toes are more for balance and you know go from heel to ball but a mid-tarsal break is the weight is on the center and i think it was i can't remember if it was i think it was bob said that how could you walk like that uh with your human feet and he's like well if you have clown shoes you have to step in the middle of your foot you have to walk in a very specific way which would be true you couldn't just do it in the same way and people right. are trained to do that i don't think it's entirely impossible to walk in a specific way here like i said like any good scientist would say i don't think we have enough evidence to be for or against this okay i'm I'm calling this right now bob i think we need to get you some clown shoes a sasquatch suit and have you just walk around town Mm -hmm. Walk through the woods and see how you how you do. We'll film you. Yeah, and you can report back how it went for you. Watch footage of me like show up on like Squatch <laughs> yeah. Hunters or yes. some shit. Yes, let's do it. So um, we meet this guy named Thomas Steenberg. He's an historian. Uh, he's carrying a pipe. He kind of has this resting. My hemorrhoids are flaring up real bad. Face. Ooh, boy, did he ever! He uh, he was salty about a lot of stuff. He does seem a little, like, burned about it. Like, maybe it's just his resting face, but he just seems so... I think it, it's Chrissy. It's it, Chrissy's fault. Who's Chrissy? You know, she ruined the the, the cast, the footprint, remember? Oh, oh right. Dang it, Chrissy. That's oh, the dog? Right Did the dog chew no, it the, up? No, the, the, the dog is another it? story. Yeah. Chrissy, he, is, that's Chrissy's fault, too. Remember he talks about... Yeah, tell that talks, story. <laughs> he talks about going out, and they found three footprints. And Chrissy is... Uh, like co-worker whatever i'm not even not sure like what capacity he was doing this investigation but chrissy wades out as he says crotch deep in mud and falls on the footprint and ruins it remember that part <laughs> yeah yeah and then the dog that i guess it's her responsibility too the dog also a squatch foot fetish scratches the footprint and yeah. ruins it and she was supposed to tie the dog up and she didn't so i think he's mad at chrissy you That's think chrissy favorite. was like an old girlfriend She's Let, somebody, he didn't really go into, he just called her Chrissy and was, yeah. Left him for another Squatch Hunter. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a story there. But he goes on like, Biggest obstacle to the continuing research in this field is the community itself. You've heard it referred to as the Sasquatch community. The United States, he called the Bigfoot community. They're their own worst enemy. Uh, more than anything, the whole field now resembles more like an asylum that's being taken over by the inmates. And that's when we go into a great clip. Oh. Because we're going into this, it looks like some fucking local public access show from the Northwest. And this guy named Bill Mer Merrill comes up, straight faces can be, and I've heard this uh, before, this theory before, about how Bigfoots are from another dimension. I want to say something that is different from anything else in this room, okay? We will not find evidence, it is my belief, of Bigfoot, although we will see Bigfoot from time to time. At this precise point in the universe, there are three or four other Earths functioning at different energy frequencies or dimensions. 
Bigfoot lives in one of those dimensions. It is a nonviolent form of life. It eats plant food, but it does have enemies. Several of the enemies are quite larger than Bigfoot, and then there's little packs like wild dogs. When Bigfoot encounters them, Bigfoot has the capability of changing the energy frequency of its body form. Sometimes, it's like having a real stat here and dialing. Sometimes he ends up here on planet Earth. And he's here, stabilizes for a short period of time. And then what occurs is he dials himself back and goes back to his other frequency. This is an explanation of why everybody says they see him. But you know, these people over here are saying they never, uh, there is no evidence. He's got too many answers, this guy, this Barrel Merrill guy. And you see other guys who are there to just kind of tell their stories. They've got like their head in their hands. Like this guy is a oh, lunatic. Cringing, yeah. It's just it's it's hilarious. This is uh this guy's super cringe even in the uh Squatch Hunter community. I hope that's not racist saying squatch like that, just throwing that mm. word around like that. I think it's a good disclaimer to mm. put out there. Well, if any Sasquatches write me and say don't <laughs> do that, I'll 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 stop doing that. Good. Cease and desist. We see a, a Paul Freeman, uh, Deduct Springs. He claims to see tracks searching. Thursday, August 20th, around 9 a.m., Paul says he drove deep into the Blue Mountains of Northern Oregon to a place called Deduct Springs in the Umatilla National Forest. Well, I just drove up to the pond here, and uh, I know they frequent this area in, in uh, uh, August and September. And I just got out of my, my little car walked around over here we see he's basically like holding like a an early iphone like a nokia or some shit and it's like oh here's some shots and then he holds the camera up and he goes oh there he goes <laughs> oh jesus christ and we uh. subscribe man i hear the brush popping and stuff Oh, there he goes. We see someone kind of like something bobbing downhill mm -hmm. and I thought this was going to be that they were going to talk about Paul Freeman like, and this is another guy, he faked this shit. I forgot to actually look him up particularly. I thought I'd heard that this guy was a faker. Oh. But it seems a little too coincidental that you're suddenly following these tracks with your phone, and then you see, and this is like less detailed than the Patterson-Gimlin footage. There's nothing there. Even with the Patterson-Gimlin footage, they're like, as you can see by the way they hold their thumb, and I'm like, I can't fucking see no. this thing's thumb. No, no, and, and this guy, Paul Freeman, sees not one, but two. And I seen another one smaller is coming at me up there. A young, a young one. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then they go off camera and scream a bunch. Freeman says he heard screams from the direction of the creatures and kept him pinned down for almost two hours. Screams, he says he did not record. I ain't never been scared like I scared yesterday. <laughs> the story that he sees the two Sasquatch and then they go scream for a bit. That's a little too much coincidence and a little too much detail mm. for me, Paul Freeman. And I figured the movie, the, the documentary is going to be like, we don't know about this one because they start talking about Freeman 
right after Thomas Steinberg starts talking about how the Bigfoot community is often its own worst enemy, but they didn't. They kind of presented this like he really did see something, yeah. and out of everything we see in this flick, that's got to. I don't believe Freeman even a little bit. I like him as a person. <laughs> I enjoyed him, but yeah, I there's a little, not quite on the up and up. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There's a story of Jeannie Chapman and her family, uh, an encounter at Ruby Creek in 19... There was apparently lots of reports of this stuff in the 50s. Like, it really popped off. Mm-hmm. And John Green kind of tells the story about how tra- tracks were found around Jeannie Chapman. She, Jeannie Chapman was a First Nations person because they called her an Indian woman. Yes. And the, oh, and there's like drawings in this. Uh, that was a wild drawing too. Yeah, where like this woman's just carrying her kids, like, like under each arm, like one under each arm, like yeah. like footballs. Like who drew these? This one you need to investigate. <laughs> this next is, investigation. This is a real mystery. And what got me about that story is that they were in the house and the kid saw something come out of the woods and said it was a cow, but she recognized it as a sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And then ran, she ran, like, into the woods, to the creek. Like, that stood out to me. Like, I don't know if I would, like, run through the woods. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe I would, like, barricade myself in my house would be my first instinct. But maybe that's not smart either. Maybe yeah. I mean, maybe she had it right. I mean. I don't know. I would guess that the house would be safer. I also seem, I also think that the Sasquatch is not out to get us. It doesn't Sasquatch seem like Sasquatch doesn't it. seem to be attacking people or... Or mad at anybody? It seems like what they do is throw rocks to get you to kind of go away. That's a thing that, yeah, well, I mean, wouldn't you, though? Like, if, you know, if someone was kind of, like, walking through my area, I might throw a little rock. Yeah, we talked to a Mark Corton. He's a gas fitter, uh, 30 years old. He he was out hunting, and uh, he saw a Sasquatch, and they, he was throwing, and rocks were being thrown at him to deter him. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard the rock-throwing thing and multiple other accounts of people encountering yeah. the Sasquatch. Interesting. So it definitely seems more like this thing is trying to deter people more than anything, or just trying to scare them. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing that I've heard. I think there is some story on a docuseries that came out where these weed farmers disappeared and they blame it on Bigfoot. Uh, um, but other than that, you don't hear a lot of stories of like, oh, they disappeared, they grabbed them, this thing grabbed somebody. Yeah. Sasquatch is just trying to mind their own business. That's all. That's all they're doing. He does seem uh, pretty chill. Yeah, well, that, we also see, uh, we hear about that print story uh, that where where Chrissy, Chrissy. dropped it. Yeah. Uh, that's evidence 10132. It uh, is. It is. That's and what he's got left. Chrissy and, is living in shame somewhere. We don't know her last name. We don't know who she is, but she fucked things up big time. Scientist John Green kind of goes off on scientists. Scientists don't make decisions as to whether things are this or that. They investigate. And I thought, well, good Lord. I've been trying to get them to investigate for half a century. They don't investigate. They have beliefs. And anything that is contrary to their beliefs, they won't investigate. So these these people have beliefs. They're not scientists. And he's like, they they won't investigate. They just decide. And in my brain, it's like I feel like you guys are just kind of deciding. But um, 
I'm not sure who how much evidence there has or hasn't been regarding any scientific community. It does seem like there are anthropologists out there that are interested and open to any evidence that is brought to them. Mm-hmm. It does seem like there's no sh- shortage of people that are actively out there trying to find something. All you got to do is just bring proof. And it seems like the most proof we got over the years is footprints. It's footprints, footprints, footprints. And some teeth and hair, apparently, but we don't hear much about that. Which are inconclusive in their results. And as John Green is complaining about scientists, we get a shot of a drawing of Charles Darwin (laughs) crucified with people worshipping at his feet. What do you think they're trying to say with this? <laughs> because, I mean, even if you do find the existence of, like, a, a Sasquatch, uh, a, another higher primate, that doesn't necessarily negate of the basic theories of Darwinism. No. So I'm not sure what that meant. It's an extreme statement, whatever it is. They're, they're upset at Charles Darwin, mm-hmm. evolution, it just... Everything, I, I don't, all of it. I don't see how these things are mutually exclusive. But it was funny to just randomly see a, a drawing of a crucified Charles Darwin. Do you think it's the same artist that drew the the lady with her kids too? I think it looks like the same style. It does. Yeah. It even looks like the same type of paper and pen. We're already at the end of this shit. We did miss one little story. Please remember the uh, uh, they call it the Bill Miller calls it the Jacko capture at Yale with the whole story about the. What they seem to think is like a young Sasquatch that has fallen on the railroad tracks. Oh, and yeah. The people come and get it and try to take it to get investigated. And it's a whole thing. In fact, you can probably look it up because I can't remember exactly this what hap- the whole story is. But I It looked, happened in like the 19th century, right? Yeah, I think so. And it happened in British Columbia as well. And, and when I Googled it, the Wikipedia labeled it as the Jacko hoax. So I guess maybe it's been, well, just like everything else. It's been kind of claimed as being a hoax, but, you know, that's up to your own determination, I suppose. But yeah, it's, like, it's, it's basically some people came across a young, apparently, Sasquatch kind of laying on the railroad track that apparently it had, gotten, it had fallen or gotten stunned somehow, and they captured it, tried to take it on the train, and then it was breaking stuff for them in a certain way that made them think that it was, like, not human, and... Yeah, it then twists it and sticks. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a wild story, so. But absolutely nothing to. <laughs> it is a good story. I like the idea of a sleeping Sasquatch. Right. Because apparently <laughs> they were nap. like, oh, let's move this thing. And then it wakes up. Yeah. Like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. like, maybe the Sasquatch uh, found some fermented berries, got a little drunk. Yeah. Passed out. But apparently it was like a young one. It's like a small, like a four. Footage range, I think it was like an adolescent or something. A yeah. drunk toddler Sasquatch. Well, it's hard, poor thing. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they had photography at that time, so they could have taken like a still photo. At the end, I think it's Thomas Steenberg, and he says something that I felt like probably was incredibly rational. It wouldn't surprise me if the physical remains of a Sasquatch are laid out on a table one day. They won't be found by a researcher like me in the bush. They'll be found by some anthropology student who found them in a long forgotten museum box or drawer somewhere. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. An anthropology student opening up a forgotten drawer of bones, being able to read something with technology that we hadn't before, 
and then coming to a whole different conclusion of something we got. We there is evidence and stuff out there that is inconclusive. And that's the responsible way to identify it if you can't compare it to anything else. Yeah, it's inconclusive now, but potentially later when technology develops, we might be able to I say we as another since I'm concluded in this scientific yeah, community. You're, but you're, you're involved I am. In this. But yeah, the technology may allow for confirmation that doesn't exist right now. Yeah. And the thing is, as DNA does get more we are being able to do more and more things with DNA. It will, it might give us an answer to something that is completely different, but not necessarily the thing that we're ingrained to think it's supposed to be. Mm, so true. if the evidence, if the, if you get an answer that doesn't say, Oh, uh, do large hairy men traipsing around in the woods? Are you going to accept that answer? Or are you going to like pull out your picture of a crucified Charles Darwin <laughs> and be like scientists? Right. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but in one more, another thing he kind of he kind of implies very sinisterly that you know the scientific community is not going to not going to confirm until they see a body on the table. So it's it's up, up to him to find that body and bring yeah. it to them. Which what's he saying? Is he is he saying he's going to go kill a Sasquatch and take it? What's he doing? What's <laughs> yeah. he saying? I don't like it. It's apparently Patterson um, and Gimlin. Or Patterson had claimed, like, not long before he died, that he had wished he'd shot Ugh. the Sasquatch. Go ahead, Stark. I feel like if I was crapsing around the Pacific Northwest and I saw something crazy, I'd probably only tell my closest friends. Yeah. Because if I did have evidence, honestly, I'd probably just get rid of it. Because what, what are people going to do? People are crazy. They're going to come up with their guns and dogs yeah. and try to kill this thing. I don't know that these things are going to hurt anyone. If I honestly felt like I found a species, I wouldn't want that species to be attacked in any way. No, me either. But I think their stance is it's more important to them to be right, to be validated in their discovery than to preserve the integrity of the species, apparently. Like, I'd rather see it dead so they, that scientists could tell me that I'm correct about yeah. this being real, you know? All these men are just tired of people glazing over. <laughs> Every time that they talk, and they're so burnt out on being glazed over at. They're jaded. They're jaded. That now they just want to pull out like a, a fully automatic weapons and just take these things down. Yeah. They're bitter at, they're bitter at these Sasquatches they know exist. Mm-hmm. That pretty much brings us to the end of this movie. I wonder if, do the, if, if the Patterson-Gimlin footage would be a good shorty. We didn't kind of talk a lot about it right here. Ooh. Yeah. But maybe down the road, I think we should v- revisit it. Just affirm as firm as Pat, uh, that as Sasquatch's as ass, Buttocks. yeah, in yeah. that in that film. Before we get into the rating of this movie, I felt like we were kind of really in the mess of like some just nerd shit all throughout this, a different kind of nerd shit. So we're gonna do a little game. It's called Hunk to Skunk. <laughs> Welcome to Hunk to Skunk, <laughs> where old-fashioned romance meets modern-day technology. Where you hear all the intimate details. At this precise point in the universe, there are three or four other Earths functioning at different energy frequencies or dimensions. Bigfoot lives in one of those dimensions. And now, here's your host, Sasquatch. As you can see here, 
I have a lot of these researchers that we discussed today. Yes. Let me go through them here. Uh, we got Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, the Sasquatch foot fetishist, mm -hmm. whose students always fall asleep on. This places these landmarks more distally or further down the foot. Silver Fox. We got Bill Miller, Squatch Hunter. And they describe this upright, large, bipedal ape. He kind of looks like a rel like he'd be a, my, uh, a relative of my family. Yeah, yeah. Got Thomas Steenberg, historian, kind of folklorist, always holds a pipe, resting hemorrhoid face. An asylum that's being taken over by the inmates. Then you got Bill Merrill, who was on that talk show, talking about how they're from other dimensions and shit like that. I want to say something that is different from anything else in this room. And then you got... Classic Squatch Chad, uh, John Green. These people have beliefs. Tracking uh, Sasquatch for years and years. And then you got the infamous Patty. The Sasquatch, quote unquote, from the, the Gimlin uh, Patterson film. Then you got just a picture of a gorilla just hanging out. In the fall, we like to put the leaves into piles and hide food in them so that the gorillas have some fun enrichment. Uh, Charles Gar Darwin crucified specifically... The crucified Charles Darwin. Burn this as soon as read, or tremble at my fury and revenge. And then we have uh, internet meme sensation Big Chungus. <laughs> uh, Big Chungus is, of course, that from an old Bugs Bunny cartoon in which um, Elmer Fudd, this was when Elmer Fudd was more pear-shaped. That'll hold him all white. <laughs> and then Bugs Bunny, in like two seconds on this cartoon, forms his body to look like Elmer Fudd to make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> and thus uh big chungus was formed apparently big chungus started out someone made a meme out of big chungus big chungus is basically fat bugs bunny and so they put him big chungus is glorious they photoshopped him into a ps4 game and that was one of the original memes like a ps4 cover and uh apparently a, a mom uh went to gamestop asking for the big chungus ps4 game oh. for their kid and thus, Big Chungus would then be launched into internet ironic meme superstardom. Wow. So, out of these nine characters, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which one is, I want you to rate them okay. from hunkiest to skunkiest. That's harsh. Hunkiest to skunkiest. Hunkiest to skunkiest. Man. But what if, what if they're all hunks? In my book. Well, you can... I mean, that's the way I'm going with them. They can all get this at the same time for me, personally. Uh -huh. But they, they're, But I think there is a, a scale here. I think there is a scale here. Oh, man. This is, this is tough. This is tough. It is hard. You can maybe picture John Green more in his prime, if that helps. Oh, gosh. Well, the hunkiest has to go to, to Patty. <laughs> Thinking all of the right bod, spots. Bod for days. Right. That's all I have to say. And the species, there's probably we're probably have enough. In, if Patty is a real Sasquatch, I'm sure there's enough genetically in common that it's cool. Um, let's see. Now, I will say, it's funny that you said that, that Bill Miller is kind of like your your relative or something. Yeah, he looks. It kind of felt to me like that uncle that tells you stories about people in places you don't know. About, yeah. You know, that kind of like goes on. Yeah, you totally. Know, um, cool guy. Cool guy though. Very knowledgeable. Um. Skunkiest, man, I just can't, I can't bring myself. Um, Gunkiest is, is going to have to go to the Charles Darwin mm. drawing. <laughs> as wonderful and glorious as it is, I don't really get it either. So. <laughs> yeah, crucified Charles Darwin, specifically, you can tell is really melodramatic. Yeah. 
but you know, amazing in, in, in its own special way. So, yeah. And then you know, we got we got different degrees of, of hunky in between. So yeah, that's that's my. You know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum. I think I got to put him my number one hunk. Okay. I mean, I I can see why. He's a little dull, a little droney, but he he, he kind of he's really into what he's doing. And I'm you like can, a smart person. I, I, I do. You can probably tell that like when he goes to the local pub that he can pull it down to. Yeah. I think he's been around. Uh, let's see, for my number two, I got to give it to my boy, John Green. John Green. I think, you know, he's, he's a man of passion. He he doesn't like scientists very much, um, but that's okay. And what a career. Like Yeah, totally. Over a, half a century. Uh, number three, I got to give it to Patty in the Patterson Gimlin footage. That's harsh. Number three. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just not sure. What if I go and I'm, what if I'm walking up to Patty and I'm like, I want to get my hands on those, the, the them hams. <laughs> and there really is like Bob Hieronymus in that suit, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That'd be a real, a real downer. You're taking a risk. You just be, could be holding straight fluff. I respect it. I think after that, I got to go for Big Chungus. Big yeah. Chungus is pretty, he's very affable, very chill. Pretty looks like you'd pretty much be down for anything. Yep. Um, for the next in line, I gotta say probably Bill Miller. Mainly, I just want to hear his stories. Yeah. Uh, I think I do need to do a DNA test because I think we might be related. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just to be sure. After that, um, you know, crucified Dar Charles Darwin's very dramatic, very crazy. But like, you know, sometimes you want to hook up with that from time to time, get a little weirdness to it, and then you can just be like. At least then later you'd have the stories that are like, yeah, I used to date Charles Darwin when he was crucified. <laughs> and it's... Boy, do I have some stories about that. Yeah, and it didn't work out for so many reasons, but I'll never forget it. After that, I would say Thomas Steinberg. He's a historian. He probably has some good pipe smoke. Uh, and then after that, I would say a gorilla. Okay. You know what? I'm going to put, actually switch. I'm going to do a gorilla last because that makes more sense. Because it's a different sub-hominid. It's a different hominid. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Steenberg second from last. Because I'm just always looking at his face being like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And Bill Merrill third from last. Because right. he does, he Bill Merrill almost looks like the human version of Big Chungus, essentially. He's but, creative. He's got a good imagination. I mean, uh, yeah. can you ask for it? I wonder how much of Bill Merrill you could take at once when going off on other dimensions and energies. Because it seems like when they when they when he starts showing up in this documentary talking, I'm like, ooh, here we go, lean into weird dude, right? But yeah, you you, you get burned out on him when this guy has a ever an an you get you can't trust people who have an answer for everything. It's true. Because sometimes they're just we just don't know the answers. So that's my hunk to skunk. Jo Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum first. I don't get my microphone. Oh shit. <laughs> I'll just uh, up your decibels. Okay. in the recording up yours up decibels. your decibels <laughs> yeah i think that that works so big chungus is third on mine okay okay i mean you know i respect it i respect it mm -hmm. i mean i think my uh rating was better but you kind of just gave me like what you thought the skunkiest and what the hunk i did i did it was i kind of I, I wouldn't say i phoned it in but to be respectful i yeah yeah so patty's your number one number one Number and cr one. crucified Charles Darwin was your last. The last place, yeah. Where does Big Chungus fall on that way? I mean, Big Chungus, gosh, somewhere in the middle, solid yeah. middle. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very middle of the road on Big Chungus. 
I am just now learning about Big Chunkus just today, so. It's like the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> um, I mean, adorable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Ginger, you haven't done this in a while. We don't no. rate documentaries in a, in a star rating scale. No, we don't. That's passe. We rate them in Herzogs. You're going to give it one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give it one through five Herzogs. Combined for best out of ten is with the final word on Darcy Weir's The Unwanted Sasquatch Director's Cut. Find this on Tubi. Like I said, I felt, I'm not a guy who absorbs all the Bigfoot shit. But I'm interested enough to dip my toe in from time to time. I really don't like those Sasquatch Hunter shows. They really get on my nerves. The And the Ghost Hunter shows. Because it's like, it's so obvious you guys are forcing this stuff. If you did find anything, we'd all know about it before now. There are things in here at a level of dryness that me, I can deal with. But if you're not a big Bigfoot enthusiast, this is probably going to be boring. Uh, I, I watched this with Angela. Thankfully, it's only about an hour, 15 minutes. And I think she was pretty bored. I think she was re- definitely ready to move on from it when the credits were rolling. And I was just kind of absorbing the weirdness of these individuals. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, I kind of more was focusing on like the, 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 w- what the quirks of the people we talked about than the actual Bigfoot shit itself, which is really mostly what you would do in here. Sometimes these guys who are so dedicated, it's hard to, you know, when people are telling you evidence of a Sasquatch stuff that they've been doing for all their lives, there is a hint of desperation. There is a bitterness in these guys. But when you get stories of like an elk hunter telling a story about how he was too scared to go down to this tree line of this thing he saw, kind of like how in the Mothman thing where I wasn't necessarily convinced that everyone was seeing a Mothman, but I did believe that everyone believed their stories. Mm. And I, the random stories is the, is, are the ones that seem to have the most credibility to me because I don't doubt that these people saw something. I'm just not sure what they saw. So I don't actually discredit uh, I'm I'm skeptical if you're like telling me a bunch of shit and you've spent all your life and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into this kind of stuff. Um, but you know the random stuff is, I'll accept that you think you saw what you saw, and at the end of the day, Bigfoot is pretty cool. But you gotta be, you kind of gotta be a lifer to really get anything out of this. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to give this as far as Bigfoot documentaries go. A 1.5. It doesn't really give you anything different than those in search of docs that I saw when I was a kid. If anything, the in search of docs probably made a bigger impression because they were better at the dramatic tones and the music. And were there reenactments in those? Those could be fun. Maybe or a lot, a lot of drawings probably. Maybe not like this one, but I, I want to know who the dar- artist is here. So yeah, 1.5 on my end. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm with you on most of the things you said for sure. You know, I, it's been a while since I've done any sort of like Bigfoot Sasquatch related content. So a lot of this was kind of like a good refresher for me. I do agree that it got a little dry sometimes, a little too heavy on the, you know, measurements of the, um, you know, femur bone or whatever he kind of dove into about it. Um, but the personalities were fun, the anecdotal sort of like accounts were were fun to listen to. Um, I would give it a 2.5. 2.5. You're in the middle on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 
I think uh, you do. I think you're doing these. You're being very nice to these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just. I think that you know they 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 brought in some some pretty decent quote unquote experts, and uh, you know I did learn a few new things. So sure, why not? I mean, they do. I guess you you could at least throw down a, a Herzog for. A, a drawing of a crucified Charles Darwin. Yeah. That yeah. will f- forever remain uh, seared <laughs> in my that's brain. A, that's special, unique content right there. <laughs> so you gave this a 2.5. Mm-hmm. I gave this a 1.5. Together, that is four, right? Yes. Four out of ten Herzogs for Darcy Weir's The Unwanted Sasquatch. Unwanted, yes. The, the director's cut. And uh, a little below average, so... You know if you're into this. You want to focus more on this paranormal fun stuff in the future? Hell yes. Amaz- yes. I know Prime is a freaking graveyard for like random graveyard. alien documentaries. I really want to parse through. I really want to find some good ones though. Yeah. I'd, I still don't feel like I've found what I think is the best alien documentary. I don't feel like I've found the best Sasquatch documentary. No. That's what I'm looking for here. That's I mean, that's I a journey worth taking, I think. Well, that's us. We're going to put on our Skulder and Mully, Mully, Skulder and Mully hats. <laughs> no, that's about right. Skulder and Mully. I'll be Skulder. You be Mully. I'll be Mully. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> we're parodies. Woo! We're a parody account mm-hmm. of uh, X-Files. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dig deep into some weird shit, folks. Me and Ginger. Yeah, we are. And uh, we're probably going to blow the lid off this MF-er. Mm-hmm. And blow your mf and minds out your f and. uh all but the M's, all the F's. This all is a, the M's and F's. This is a kid friendly show. I yeah. can't remember if I said fuck or I may have shit and nice, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, that's it. Four out of ten Herzogs for this Sasquatch documentary. Yay. Hey, do your Sasquatch sound scream again. <laughs> I am a sex robot. I thought I should do the outro for this episode because the nerd shit is getting too thick. The levels of pathetic are too high. You got sad nerds talking about sad nerds and I am glad that I'm not programmed to be depressed. Not much to cite here. Chip tuned. X-Files plays beneath me. The best way to help out the show is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We know it's fucking annoying. I hate that I am programmed to ask. But the fact of the matter is that star ratings and written reviews can make or break podcasts. The more people do that then the more people will hear us. If you have not done so then please support the show by doing that. Any 5 star written review will be read on a later episode. If you've been listening for a while and have not done so, then that is the best way to support us. If you want to contact the show, you can email us at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. And also find us on our only real active social media account over at Documenteers. On Instagram, we post a mind-blowing twice a week. Next week the 30 for 30s return as we do 2 for 1 format. I have not edited that episode yet, but from what I've heard, it's kind of a weird one. You'll have to hear it to know what I'm talking about. Thank you for listening. I am a sex robot. Keep on docking. This is the first alleged uh, scream, unknown scream, which some people think may have come from a Sasquatch, was recorded by Sergeant Kenny Cooper. 
as he was patrolling in the area of the Chief Mountain Road in Washington State on the eve of November 1975. I want to say something that is different from anything else in this room. Okay, we will not find evidence of this. My belief is Bigfoot, although we will see Bigfoot from time to time. At this precise point in the universe, there are three or four other Bigfoot lives in one of those dimensions. It is a non-violent form of life.